We hope you enjoy this message recorded at Equippers Church in Eden. For more information, please visit equipuschurch.com. Once again, I want to thank God to um, thank God for having friends and family in all parts of the world, like here. Um, we see we we Polynesians are pretty big on family, and um, wherever we do you know when we take holidays, we take it to where family is. Uh, we're not into sort of going off and doing our little thing somewhere else, but we say, okay, let's look around the world. Where's family? Because that's where we'll go. That's where we'll go, we'll get to spend, because we'll, it's all about this, this whole relationship thing, and it's really great when we come here, there is family, I said it this morning, I want to thank Pastor Will and Desiree you know, um, for, for hosting us, thank you for having us over, um, having us in your place, it's been great, you know, and I thank you for, I thank you as a church, uh, as I said this morning, for releasing uh, the both of them in order to be part of what's happening in Tonga. Uh, Pastor Will is on is is, is uh, part of the, our, uh, our our trustees and, and and eldership, and Desiree has we've had to open up everything in terms of say, man, we need your help. Can you look into finances, our financials and stuff? Because it, it, I believe it gives us accountability, but it also gives us insight into how we can do this thing together. You know, because I believe that a lot of the stuff that we're trying to do on our own and we're struggling on our own, but when we do it together, um, God is able to do great things in our midst. Um, yeah, and so therefore I better hurry up so that uh, we can go and watch the rugby or whatever. <laughs> Tong is playing too, so um, they're playing France. Is it? Yeah, playing, playing France. Hey, it's good to see you, Ryan. Yeah, good to see Ryan there. I met up with one of our mutual friends, Ryan and I, and we were praying for the Tongan team in Tonga. So that was a great time there. But the amazing thing was that I was sitting there with some of the, with their team, uh, with an assistant coach and, and the guys that are in the, the management team. And they, and they go, oh, so what church are you pastoring? Oh, we're Equippers Church here in Tonga. And they go, yeah, my kids come there. All my kids are coming to the youth group and going here and here. And I go, man, the reach of what God is doing through Equip His Church. And here, and funny that they go, funny that we meet here. Funny that you come and pray for and pray with us here for the team. And so it's always great to see what God is doing, doing um, that we know about, and also all the undercover stuff that's happening. But anyway, this morning I just oh this tonight I just want to um, I I mean. I've been going through, I've been speaking through a, a series of messages, and one of them was what I touched on this morning, but to, to, uh, tonight I, I just really, I want to go through saying, valuing the anointing that's upon our life, and, and just looking at the anointing, what's the anointing? The anointing, when, when in the Old Testament, the anointing when, was when they will put oil upon people, pour it on their head. When we are ordained as ministers, they, the ministers would come and pour oil on our heads. Um, and, and so it, in, in the Old Testament, when that oil was poured on their heads, it was a sign that the Holy Spirit has comes upon us, comes upon you. And in the Old Testament, when the, when the oil was poured upon them, it was actually, or rather, when the Holy Spirit came upon people, it was, for, it was to empower them supernaturally for a specific purpose. But when that purpose was over, then they'll go back to normal. They'll go back. But so there was this anointing or this 
power that as the Holy Spirit came upon people, um, they were able to do um, specific supernatural things. Um, in Judges chapter 11, verse 29, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jabeth. He crossed Gilead and Manasseh, passed through Mizpah of Gilead, and from there he advanced against the Amorites. See, when the Spirit of the Lord came upon, we talked about this morning about Gideon, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. There was an anointing upon him, and therefore he stood up and was able to do the supernatural, do things that was not supposed to have been done. Um, however, in the New Testament, what happens is that in Luke 4, Luke 4 chapter 4, 18 to 19, it says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. Jesus stands up and says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then we come into Acts chapter 1. And Jesus says to them, wait in Jerusalem, because as you wait there, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. And so in Acts chapter 2, what happens is that the Holy Spirit comes upon them, and they don't know that it's the Holy Spirit. There's this, obviously, this, they've been anointed with the Holy Spirit, and then they try and figure out what it all was until Peter stands up and says, because they thought that, he, that they were all drunk, and he says, no, this is what was spoken, spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. There is, a, there, there is an anointing upon us when God pours his spirit. It's freely available to you and I. It's freely available to you and I in order to achieve that of which his purpose and called us into. We have all that we need to do something about what he speaks into our lives about. You know, we're not having to do it in our strength, although yesterday, like this morning, we said, go in your strength. Go in your strength because God has empowered you. So he gives us access. So the anointing not only does that, it gives us power over sin, temptation, and evil. It gives you and I access to God in prayer and worship, but it also enables you and I to proclaim the message of the gospel. Why? Because Peter stood up and when the, after the day of Pentecost and he preached. It, and this is Peter that denied Jesus three times. There was an anointing that came upon him and that he stood up and was able to proclaim the good news of Jesus. And what happened was that 3,000 people were added to their numbers. See, I believe that, that, that tonight God is just wanting to encourage you and I that we need to value and to and, and acknowledge what's on our lives. So we need to value um, where we are at. We need to value what Jesus can do through you and I. And we need to value the fact that we need to be doing this together, together. So if, we're gonna, if we can turn to the book of Luke, chapter 5. And I'll be speaking from chapter, from verse 1 to 7. See, when we value anything, what we value on our lives, we acknowledge it. See, when we get ordained as ministers, we're not empowering people to do what they're supposed to be doing. We're acknowledging what God has already empowered them to do. See, that's what, I, I used to think in my old school thinking, oh, I'm going to wait till I get ordained, then I'll go do the pastor's thing. But I realize 
I'm, I realized when I was a day, oh no, we're just acknowledging what's already on your life. We're just acknowledging what you're already doing. Because you've already been anointed because God upon you enables you to do what it is that you do. See, when we, when, when we value something, we acknowledge it, we guard it, and we use it. We utilize it. So in the book of Luke chapter 5 verse 1, verse 1, it goes, one day, one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Chapter 3 of the book of Luke, Jesus, Jesus is baptized. Holy Spirit comes upon him. Chapter 4, Jesus is led into the wilderness, gets tempted and all that stuff. And then the, and then the Holy Spirit leads him back out. So chapter 5, he's calling his disciples. Chapter 5, he's coming out. He's coming out. He goes, oh, well, it's time for me to gather people around me. So when we value the anointing, we've got to value the anointing that's upon you and I for our world. See, you and I have been placed in our respective worlds because he's anointed us to be there. I've realized and I've had to settle it in my heart that the reason why I'm in Tonga, because he's anointed me to be there. And I can choose to be anywhere else. But I don't know if I'm going to be as impacting as I am where I am actually am right now because that's where God has called me. That's where he's purposed for me. He's anointed me for my world. And so if he's anointed you for your world, he wants to get into your world. You see, he gets into Peter's boat. He gets into his livelihood. He gets into his what he knows. He gets into his world. You know, Jesus wants to get into our boat, wants to get into our world, because in order for you and I to realize the anointing and the impact that we have for our world, we've got to let Jesus get into our world, get into our boat. Get into the boat of our lives. See, this was his livelihood. This was Peter's livelihood. And Jesus comes along and says, hey, bro, I want to get into your livelihood. I want to get into your world. I want to get into your practice, Jake. I want to get in there because what I want to do in there is that I want to show the world who I am through what it is that you, who, who it is that you are and what it is that you do. Because from there, he sits down and he begins to teach. See, he teaches people from the way that we live our lives. The way that you and I live our lives, see, we're so anointed to live our lives the way that we should live our lives that Jesus wants to get in there and teach people and say, this is how it's done. This is how this Christianity thing is done. This is how. This is the way that we deal with tensions in life. This is the way that we deal with people. This is the way that we navigate through crisis. This is the way that we deal with temptation. This is the way that we live our lives loving God. This is the way that we deal with, the, with offenses in our lives. See, Jesus wants to get into our livelihood and he wants to teach our world through you and I, through our lives, and say, I want to show them how, what it's like. 
See, the thing is, we say, oh, it's, too, it's just impossible. I can't do it. Of course you can't do it. Of course. That's why you need Jesus. The, the, he's anointed you. He's anointed you in order so that he could use you to be the example, to be the pulpit. There were many things that I thought that I could never do. But once I open it up to Jesus, it's amazing what I can do. And I even amaze myself at how great I am. And how good I am in doing this stuff. But then I realize I have to, I now have to wake up again and realize, okay, it's not me that you, thank you, Jesus, that you want to use my crisis. You want to use what I'm going through. You want to use what you've helped me to overcome in order to teach my world, in order to teach them how to deal with these things. See how we navigate life in marriage, family, and relationships. Jesus wants, that's why, I, that's why I, 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 we go through marriage counseling. We do. We have. A few times. <laughs> Just short ones. <laughs> Just after our first honeymoon, we went through marriage counseling. <laughs> the short honeymoon that we had. We had to have Pastor Bruce and Helen come. Pastor Bruce, would you be able to come over? And see, as they would help us, and as we would open ourselves to this, we were able then to, to, to help people and to help them. But this was, the, this was the funny thing. We would tell our stories and tell our stories and tell our stories and tell our stories. And one couple, we had been telling our story to them for four years, and they were in the verge of breaking up after four years. We thought we were good. <laughs> Until we came to a point and said, God, how is this going to happen? Would you just use whatever it is in order to minister? Last meeting we had was just a few weeks ago. It seemed like these guys have just fallen in love all over again. So they've taken everything that we've shared, but that was not the it. The it was that they sat that what the woman was sat in one of our conference, our women's conference, and God spoke to her through his Holy Spirit and did something in her. And then everything that we told him came, came about and it had meaning to her. And that was it. But I realized that we, I had to let Jesus into our boat and to be vulnerable in order to allow our lives for Jesus to teach other people through our lives. See, the way we live in our community, in our churches, is what's attractive to our worlds. Because there are people in our worlds that we think, in our churches, in our worlds, that we would go, oh man, how? I would never have anything to do with them. But you see, Jesus has given us a common purpose and has given us a common ground that we're working together. And out of that, people, man, they can disagree but still get on together. They, I mean, in, in terms of, say, maybe they don't see eye to eye, but they can still do life together. But isn't that what family's all about? Do, am I always in agreement with our kids? Probably not. But we still do life together and do it really well. 
See, that's what's attractive to our world, the unity, the forgiveness, the generosity, the love, and the supernatural. That's what's attractive to our world. See, when we understand that you and I are anointed for our worlds and we allow Jesus into our livelihood, allow Jesus into our, into our boat, we can allow Jesus to sit there and to teach our world about the reality and the goodness of his kingdom. See, you and I are anointed for our wills, but we've got to value that. Value the struggles that you're going through. Value the challenges. Value the, 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 the opportunities that you get offended and ask God, Jesus, get into my boat. Help me, please, so that to get, because I'm anointed to get through this because this is going to be a teaching point for my world where you are going to use this to help my world overcome what they are going through because you've anointed me to get through this. How many times have I been offended? I don't have, I don't have enough fingers or toes. But it's an opportunity to say, God, help me go through this. Help me. I'm anointed to get through this because I'm allowing you to get into my boat because there are instances where you are going to teach my world how to get through these things through my life. See, we do a lot of marriage counseling, as I said earlier. But our marriage counseling is not because we've done any courses. The marriage counseling is that when we're open and vulnerable and say, this is what we've been through, and this is what God has done in our lives. I can identify with what you're going through, because this is what God has taught us. Holy Spirit, use this. See, when we deal with people, it's not, there's not just the one size fits all. But we deal with people on a case by case. Isn't that what we're all about? And God wants to get into it. And we look at how Jesus taught, how Jesus dealt with people. It wasn't, it wasn't one size fits all, but it was like from case by case by case. Your case is different from mine. Because there are people even in, in the life of our church that goes, how come you dealt with them differently than you dealt with me? It's just, because they were a different situation. You did the same thing wrong, but his, his situation and your situation were slightly different. So we've got to deal with it. We've got to hear what God is saying into this situation. See, number two is that we've got to come to a place that we know that we're anointed for the impossible. See, Luke chapter, verse 4 says, when he had finished speaking to them, when he finished teaching from their lives, their livelihood, he said to them, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down my nets. See, you and I, what an amazing opportunity for the fishermen, for the fishermen in order to, to see a miracle in their midst. But instead of stepping out on the opportunity, they gave, an, they gave an excuse not to do so. How many times do you and I are given an opportunity in order to, to step and to see the impossible become possible, but we put up an, an excuse and say, no, that can't happen because of this, this, and that. I'm, I'm too much of an expert in this area that I know how it should work, but so therefore it ain't can't happen. 
I don't know how many times have you, have you, have you and I, you know, been given the opportunity to step out into the impossible. See, don't let too much, don't let, don't let out the fact that we're too much of an expert in our fields that we cannot see or hear God in it or through it. See, sometimes we're too much of an expert. Sometimes I think I'm a bit of too much of an expert pastor now. I've been doing it, I've got a few years under my belt. And as a result, we say, oh, God would say, do this. And go, oh, no, I've done it before. It don't happen. Maybe we're too much of an expert in our field, too much of an expert in our livelihood, too much of an expert in raising children, maybe. Too much of an expert in whatever it is that it stops us from hearing God for the situation that we're in. I believe the beginning of the impossible becoming possible in our situation is that when we do what we're good at, but we do it in faith. How many times do we do what we're good at and there's no faith in it because we're too good at it? I'm too much an expert. I don't need faith for this. We may not say it, but that's our attitude because we go into it unthinking. We don't even think about it anymore. Because we're good at it. We do it. We can do it with our eyes closed. Will's a great driver. He can drive up to his house in four minutes, apparently, from the bottom. <laughs> you know? And I said, Will, you're just like, you, you, you're just like Pastor James. Yeah. Huh? But they go, oh, no, we know. We're very good. We can do it with our eyes closed. I used to think that about many things in my life. I could do this with my eyes closed. I took a mission team out. We went to an island with a little boat that nearly sunk. <laughs> and I didn't realize some of them didn't know how to swim. But you see, I thought, oh, well, I, I'm, I'm good at this. I could do this. We could do this with that. And I came and Pastor Sam said, don't you ever do that again. <laughs> I do not want, I do not want us to be plastered all over the news that people have, well, anyway, that we've had an accident, and I go, whoa, sorry. But because I was getting a bit too big for my shoes, and I thought, I could do this. We could just, we could wing this, we could do this, we could do that. And so as a result, we don't step out in faith. See, the beginning of the impossible is, I believe, when we do what we're good at, but we do it in faith. Let God speak to you and I through what it is that we are good at. I think that's really hard to hear God and what we're good at. But when we allow ourselves and humble ourselves to hear and allow our ears to hear what God is saying to us and what we're good at, As we know that we're anointed to access God in these situations. We cannot allow our expertise or others' expertise blind and deafen us from what it is he's trying to say to us. Because we can even have experts around us that, are, that, that, say, that say this and that which causes us to be deafened and we hear that rather than what we're hearing from what God is saying to us. See, we went into a situation about a, a few, uh, about two months ago, well, I had my, one of my cousins, my first cousin, and um, 
So he's been through some health problems and stuff, and, and then he goes and abuses his body again, and he goes through these health problems again. And so this time, is and I'm always being called to come because I was, I was pretty much raised with him as he's an only child, and I was raised with him as a, as a brother to him. And so he's a member of, he's member of the, our Tongan parliament, of, our, of parliament. Uh, he's a representative of the House of Lords and, and where we, from where we are, and, and he's quite influential, in, he's quite influential in our nation. And so whenever it is that he gets into trouble, ends up in hospital, I'm one of the first ones that they would call to come and see him. And I would come and see him, and he's basically abused his body and whatever it is that he's been doing. And so they bring him out, they, they operate on him and bring him out of, bring him out and so forth. So he's gone through this about twice now. And this is the third time, which happened about a couple of months ago. I get a phone call at about two o'clock, one o'clock in the morning to come because he's in the hospital again. And I go, well, I'm not, no, he'll make it till tomorrow. I'm going to sleep. I couldn't be bothered going there. So I go back to sleep. And then I get another phone call um, from my sister said, you need to come now because he's got, the doctor says he's got about half an hour max. So I get up and I, and I rush off to the, to the hospital and I get there just in a couple, of, couple of, of, of minutes, my two sisters had gone in and they were on either side of his bed and I was sitting there and all his vitals were actually shutting down. His heart, his kidneys, his everything. It was shutting down. And, and, and so the family, there was a family all around in the room and they were crying because they've all said their goodbyes. And so we're standing there. Who knows, we were being posed with a situation that we've been given the opportunity for the impossible. But because the doctors were around and all the equipment said that everything was shutting down, his heart was shutting down, everything else, I stood at the, I stood at the foot of the, bed, of the bed and I would have liked to say that I prayed with all of my might, but I didn't. I stood there and I just prayed under my breath. My sister, one on one side, one on the other side, were going crazy. We're calling you out in the name of Jesus. It's not your time yet. You come back to life. We come back to life. And this is them at the top of their voices in ICU. And I was standing there, Pastor Matale, man of faith. Thank you, Jesus. Bring him back. Thank you for bringing back me. And these are the two women in our family. They were praying at, at, at the top of their voices. Go, come on, come back. And then they would come down to his ear and they would come on. There's no fear in Jesus Christ. Come on, pull you out. We pull you out. And so they were going about like this for about five minutes. And then all of a sudden, he's, he wakes up. He wakes up. He's... His eyes just go up like this, and he, and, he, and he looks around, and he sees me, and he motions to me. So I come over, and he's mumbling something I don't even understand, and he looks at my sisters, and he mumbles to them, and he ushers them, and he kisses them, and so forth, and the doctors walk out of the room. The doctors walk out of the room because they, this is a miracle. This should not happen. This should not happen. We didn't know that that shouldn't have happened. We were just posed with an opportunity and understanding and realized we were anointed for the impossible. 
And then the story goes, because we, apparently they looked at all the equipment. I wouldn't have a clue. They said, it went from about five to about 65 or whatever, whatever that means. He says, when you guys started, came in, his vitals actually went from five to about 60 or 70 or somewhere around there. That is a miracle. And so he said, so they kept him, apparently they started doing a lot of other stuff to him and realized that they couldn't do anything for him in Tonga. They had to medivac him here to New Zealand. However, they couldn't medivac him here because he had his, his vitals needed to be at a certain level. So what happens is that we would then would go in and pray and stand with and pray for them at about three, four, five o'clock in the morning when no one else was around. Because during the day, a lot of people would be around and family and so forth. So we would go there, only the doctors were there, and we would pray. So this happened on a Friday, on a Saturday, and Saturday night, still vitals weren't up there. Sunday morning, the doctors walked out of the room again. They said, his vitals are actually higher than they should be, and he, could, he can be medivac. But it shouldn't be like that. That shouldn't happen. So they called. So they called. Then the plane was 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 dispatched from here, from New Zealand. Got him and brought him here. And a long story short, the doctors he had given up hope too and said we don't want to raise your hopes. But now he's so he went from ICU to high dependency unit, and now he's in a normal ward, and now he can speak with all the tubes and everything out out of his system. You see. Maybe if I was a doctor and I was so much of an expert in, in medicine, that could have gotten in the way of me realizing that this was our opportunity to see the impossible become possible because of who he's called and anointed us to be. And that was not the only story because at the same week, we had a baby who's about 18 months. No, not 18 months. Eight months. Oh, 18 months. Let's, let's just go 18 months. 18 months in the church, and so he had a condition that they took him to the hospital, and, and, the, and the doctor said, this is, this is all in the same week, and the doctor said, sorry, we can't do anything about him. We can't do anything more for him. So his mom and dad don't know what to do, crying out, sending out texts to the church, please pray, because young Victor, doctors can't do anything for him, and he's dying. And so it got to a point where he had actually gone purple, he turned blue and he stopped breathing. Parents text out and everyone was praying until a point they said, no, this is not, this should not be, this is the parents. No, this should not be. We claim you back, we call you back. At that moment, color changes, starts breathing again, and he's fine. You see, Every opportunity that we're getting, realizing that we're anointed for the impossible. So we step into it with courage. We step into it not, no, not, not, not because of our expertise, but because we've been called to step into this place. You see, Jesus didn't tell Peter to go into the deep and throw up because of his expertise. He said, go out there. Because this is your opportunity to make the impossible possible. 
You see, when we're called into these areas in our lives, and when we realize that we've un- we're anointed for the impossible, God calls us into these situations and into these circumstances because of what He's given us, of what He's placed on our lives, as opposed to what we know. See, the, see, the strength of our expertise only provides us a doorway in order to get, or a platform to get onto that, so that He could move. See, allow God to show you things that should be impossible. Get a revelation for your situation and your circumstance, even though you're an expert at it. Get a revelation. What's God saying? Get a revelation rather than just relying on our expertise. Because our expertise can say one thing, but what does Jesus, what is Jesus really saying to you and I? See, number three is that in verse five and seven, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signed, so they signaled to their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Some translations say the nets began to break or somehow nearly broke. But they called out to their partners. See, we're anointed for partnership. We're anointed to do this together. We're not anointed just to do this on our own. I've come to resolve that I'm not anointed just to do this church thing on my own, not to do this Christianity thing on my own. I've been anointed to do it in partnership. Even if we get to a point say, let's agree to agree or agree to disagree, but we're doing this together. Because maybe our brokenness Much of our brokenness is because we try to do it on our own. Maybe much of our brokenness because these nets are breaking of our lives because we're trying to do it on our own. Instead of calling out, instead of saying, help me, instead of saying, hey, I'm hurt, instead of saying, hey, I need help, instead of saying these things, say, come on, we can do this together. We need to partner with Jesus first and foremost. We are co-workers with him. That's what the Bible talks about. We are co-workers. We partner with him. See, we partner with him to bring in our miracles. See, we've got to do our part. See, there's a thing here. That, like, one, one thing that we realize in church in Tonga is that as, as all these stories have been told, God moves. God does amazing things. And I believe it's the same here. People are walking out of these spaces and say, man, that was good. Man, God was so good. Man, God could do this. Oh, man, did you hear about what God did? Did you hear that? Did you hear? See, the problem is not on God's part. The problem's on our part. How can we get people into that space, into the space, into the environment, into the atmosphere where they can encounter these realities that should be impossible? See, that's where we partner. We partner into bringing people into these spaces because in these spaces, God is able to do mighty miracles, amazing things. I mean, we were talking about um, Jenny. Is it Jenny? Jenny? Jenny. When Jenny and Pastor um, Will and the team came over to Tonga, I think it was about 2000 and, 
15, 14 or 15. Well, they came out with the time we did, we would go around and people's homes and praying and do shows, if I'd do a concert, uh, re- outreach concerts, thousands of people, and we'd, and they would be building and doing all this stuff. Um, is that, that, that's right, eh? Yeah, yeah. And Jeannie would go with a group of people and they would pray and they literally saw the miraculous. We saw skin conditions heal. Basically, their, their testimonies, the skin conditions healed as they were praying, cleared up as they were praying. And she was just sharing that one of them had an eye, one of them had an eye problem, were praying and could see. See, all of these happiness, we partner to do all these things together in God. See, we're anointed to partner. See, when we this mission team that's coming to town, we're believing for the miraculous. We believe, yeah, the people, they're, they're great. They're experts at what they do. But more so out of their expertise, as they step out and reach out in faith, God is able to, to move because they're partnering not just with God, but partnering with each other. You know, sometimes it seems like that we're sinking. But when we partner together, we can encourage each other, say, now we can do this. He's in our boat, we can do this. See, sometimes, because when they, when they were pulling out the nets and it seems like the boat was sinking and you know, we could be discouraged and so forth. So, no, no, Jesus is in the boat, we can do this. You know, one boat can cry, call out to the other, but come on, we can do this. It's like you calling out to, to us in Tongas when we have been discussing. Come on, Tonga, you can do this. And then we call out and say, come on, Dunedin, we can do this together. We can win our world together because you and I have been anointed to partner. You and I have been anointed to bring the catch, to bring the, mir- the miracle catch to, to pass. See, we partner with Jesus, we partner with the Holy Spirit, and we partner with each other. See, ultimately what he has anointed you and I for is for kingdom purpose. is to bring glory and honor to him. Because out of that, he teaches them and he takes them and say, hey, you're anointed for this, guys. You're anointed for this. I'm showing you. I'm showing you what I've graced you to do. And then, chapter, and then verse 10 to 11. So when James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners, then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid from now on. You will fish for people. You will be fishers of men. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything and followed him. See, we've been anointed for kingdom purpose. And he teaches us and he teaches others through you and I. As we step into the miraculous, as we step into the impossible, knowing all I need to do, I'm anointed with this. I don't know what's gonna happen, but I'm just gonna dare to step out. I mean, just going back to what I, I, I walked in and I said to, the, to our family when my cousin was, I said, because as I was driving out, I just heard God say to me, this sickness shall not end in death. 
So I go in and I just declare, the sickness shall not end in death. Don't cry, the sickness shall not end in death. And then I got, and then my senses came back to me. What have I just said? What have I just said? What has just come out of my mouth? I've declared something that I do not know that is possible. But all the more I said, no, the sickness shall not end in death because I believe that God has anointed me and that God has called me and God has given me a word to bring. See, when we don't value what we are, what, who we are and what we have, we miss out on what God can and wants to do through you and I. We fail to release and help others from their brokenness. You see, Jesus came as an answer to our brokenness. It's like us telling our stories to the couples and realizing, Jesus, Holy Spirit, you need to use these stories. Not just our stories, but use them. Breathe life into them. Bring them out as a testament to who you are. It wasn't until then that it, it, it became gospel, the good news of how Jesus transformed our lives. Isn't that what gospel is? Good news of Jesus? This is the good news of how Jesus transformed and changed our lives. We were just sharing about how Jesus transformed and brought our marriage and everything else, how we're raising our children, how we deal with all the struggles in life. And, they, and these were the good news and, and the Holy Spirit breathed life on it and it became real to people. See, Jesus was our answer. We hope you enjoyed this message recorded at Equippers Church, Dunedin. We pray it blessed you. For more information, please visit equipuschurch.com.